As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Are you looking for ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative? Gretchen Rubin is the number one bestselling author of The Happiness Project, and every week she shares insights and practical solutions in the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Gretchen's co-host and happiness guinea pig is her sister Elizabeth Kraft, a Hollywood showrunner. Join Gretchen and Elizabeth as they reveal fresh insights from cutting-edge science, ancient wisdom, pop culture, and their own experiences about cultivating happiness and good habits. Every week, they offer a manageable try-this-at-home tip you can use to boost your happiness without spending a lot of time, energy, or money. Suggestions such as follow the one-minute rule, choose a one-word theme for the year, or design your summer. They also feature segments like Know Yourself Better, where they discuss questions like Are you an overbuyer or underbuyer? A morning person or night person? Abundance lover or simplicity lover. And every episode includes a happiness hack, a quick, easy shortcut to more happiness. Listen and follow Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an Odyssey podcast. Available now, free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Icons, did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanton, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall, who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. And this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, they have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. Uh, and also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. I have a great show for you guys today. First up, we have an interview with Toya Bush Harris from Married to Medicine. Now, if you're not watching Married to Medicine on Bravo, I think it's one of the most consistent shows on the network. It's fantastic. I talked to her about a week ago, right before they went to film the reunion. So I got all sorts of scoop on what's going on in that show. And then after my interview with Toya, I have a chat with Ryan O'Connell, who created and stars in a show called Special on Netflix, which is in its second season. If you haven't watched it, the first season's good, but the second season is so amazing. I can't recommend it enough, and it just came out. So I talked to Ryan about a week and a half ago about the new season, and then he's a Bravo junkie too, so we talked about some Bravo stuff. All good things. So I want to play my chat with Toya, and then we'll go right into the conversation with Ryan. I'll put the timestamps in the episode description so you can skip ahead and listen to what you want. Otherwise, know that we'll be back later this week with recaps of The Real Houses of New York and Beverly Hills. But for now, I want to say please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. Get the Everything Iconic merch available at everythingiconic.store. Uh, there's a uh, Patreon page if you want to support this podcast. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash everythingiconic. And if you donate $4 more per month, you get access to the bonus episodes 
So I do one Everything Iconic bonus episode a month. I'm currently recapping Sex in the City, the series from the beginning. So it's really fun and, and silly. So check that out. And then without further ado, please enjoy both of my conversations with Toya Bush-Harris from Bravo's Married to Medicine, which airs on Sunday nights. And then my chat with Ryan O'Connell, who stars in the new season of Special on Netflix. I'm here with Toya Bush-Harris from Married to Medicine. Toya, how are you doing today? Man, I can't complain. So we just finished a tennis match. I lost. <laughs> I like seeing you play on the show. It's always fun when we see a little glimpse of, of tennis. I wish they would have shown so much more. We did a whole tennis tournament this season. We did like a Black Lives charity event. It was so much fun. We actually brought the ladies out. Jackie and them came out and played. Contessa actually showed her skills. So it was good. I love that. Toya, I have so much I got to talk to you about with this with this show right now. Now, this past week on the show, we saw you come to blow with Quad and Heavenly. Uh, first of all, I want to know, were you more upset with Heavenly or or the Quad of it all? Like, which which was it? Or was it both? You know what? Actually, it was so hard to watch, you know, because it just took me back to that whole place, you know, and really and truly, I was more upset Equally, equally, because, you know, I don't know if Heavenly knew, but I want to say she probably did because I know Heavenly can be really messy. But I mean, Quad and I had already discussed that scenario. So I was really surprised to see her bring it up in front of the group as if it was something brand new. And that's what really was like, wait a minute now, we can go talk about this in private. But what I don't want to do is keep hashing things out in front of this group and making it a gang up session. You know, I was like, I don't know where we went wrong in our communication before, but it's obvious she still wasn't understanding, you know, where I was coming from with the apartment comment. So I was like, you know what, maybe we could talk about it on the side. Then Heavenly jumps in and I was like, okay, obviously Heavenly just wants to be messy. And so it was just very frustrating to watch, you know, and it just blows up from there. Right. Now, there's been a lot of speculation because to me, at least watching it, it seemed like you were more hurt than angry or more. I don't know. if uh, Does that make sense? It seemed like, you know, it's it's been that way, to be honest, all season. You know, it started off with me being angry. You know, I was like, oh, I'm out of COVID. You know, I just want to party. I want to have fun. You know, and so it was like everything was affecting me in a different way. It was a lot of frustration. But, you know, as the season progressed, it was like my feelings started getting hurt. And everybody knows I'm like a pineapple on the outside. I'm kind of hard, but then on the inside, I'm really soft. And so, you know, when my feelings get hurt, it's like my emotions get involved and I get teary-eyed and I get frustrated. And, you know, and then I just start running away from scenarios. And I think that was when Simone started getting involved because she's like, I don't want you running away. You know, and, and I just felt like, you know, I didn't know how to handle it. You know, it's like... How do you handle it when you're being kind of um, put in scenarios where you're not really able to defend yourself because or, you know, or talk about your emotions because you feel like you're just, you know, it's, it's always two or three, you know, and they're always like so aggressive, you know, because then I get aggressive and I can be really aggressive. So, <laughs> you know. You know, we saw Dr. Jackie, you had said something, I believe, when you had left Quad's place uh, that uh, you were upset Dr. Jackie didn't say something. Um, can you explain a little bit more how you're feeling in terms of Dr. Jackie? You know, it's, it goes back to season one. It's like when Dr. Jackie first came on to Married to Medicine, we always looked at her almost as if she was like the voice of reason. You know, not to say she's always right. Let's Let's not say that. You know, but she always was a very calm and had a very calm spirit about her, you know, and she was one of those individuals that uh, liked to see both sides. I always saw that in her anyway. And it's just seemed like within the last maybe three years, you know, she's been more of a watchful individual on the show as opposed to someone that actually gives her opinion or, um, you know, brings everyone back together. It's like she's kind of taken a back seat and decided that, you know what, the best avenue for me is to stay, mm. stay quiet. That way they leave me alone. You know, no one attacks me. You know, this is how I stay out of the scenario. And it's actually, you know, it's 
it's a scary thing to watch because it's then it's almost like you're taking the approach of let me just allow everyone else to take the uh, mental and sometimes physical abuse. And I'll just sit back and, you know, say, sorry, as long as it's not me. Now, Anila, you were the one who brought her on the show and you guys seem to have, I don't know, not been able to get along. And there was this idea that she didn't pay the makeup artist. Can you explain that? Did she not pay? (laughs) You know, it's... Gosh, I almost wish we had 20 episodes as opposed to 18 because, you know, there's so much to tell around that story. You know, when we were on the bus, it originally started with a phone call from the makeup artist and the hairdresser to me. And they were like, are you guys leaving? And we're like, yeah, you know, we're on our way. (laughs) We're out of here. You know, we're going to dinner and then we're going back to Atlanta. And they're like, well, you know, they're like, Toya, she didn't pay us. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? You know, I'm like, why would y'all let her not pay you for the first time? And they're like, oh, well, we were just thinking that she would pay us all in one lump sum. And I was like, oh. And so at this moment, I'm now feeling like, oh, my God, you know. And they're like, well, do you want to pay her bill? Whoa. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because this is like an $800 bill. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, and so I, you know, initially I I look over to my friend and I'm like, hey, you know, are you going to pay the makeup artist? And the hair, the hairdresser, she's like, that's not okay. (laughs) It was not. I was on your side with that. I'm like, yeah, we should call it out. If somebody's not paying the hair and makeup people, you have to pay those people. And I'm telling you, initially when she said it, Contessa was sitting there. And she just was like, let me go to the back of the bus before I just get involved in something. She said, she, we all couldn't believe it. We were like, did you just say it? It was as, like a joke. And she was like, they'll get paid when they get paid. And we're, it was unbelievable. Right. You know, did she eventually pay? Do we know that she paid? Yes. I mean, okay. I talked to my, both, both of my stylists and, and Glam. And they were like, they eventually did get paid and they were like, they will never do business with her again. Right. Uh, you mentioned Contessa. I'm curious what you think of her and Scott's relationship. Cause we're seeing it. It seems like those two, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost sad to watch those two in scenes together. What do you think? You know what? I, I will say this now that Contessa and I are in a place where we, are speaking and are, you know, our sons, they play soccer. And so I see them every Sunday and, you know, I I'm prayerful with them. You know, I've given her her, one of my favorite books, the praying wife, you know, and I even sent her one for her husband, the praying husband. I really, and that's really all you can do, you know, because at this point in your marriage, when you have a woman crying out for her husband to try to, to make a marriage work, you know, because she's obviously saying that there's some issues, you know, and, and when you get on television, you're not going to divulge every issue. You know what I mean? Uh, I think that what you're seeing is part of the story, you know, and I think that it's up to Contessa and Scott to decide, you know, how much they want to put on national television. But I think she is definitely saying, hey, we're not the perfect couple. And we're going through something right now. And I just need my husband to acknowledge that we're going through something. And I need, you know, you to undergird me, help me, you know, mm-hmm. say you're going to work with me in this instead of running away from it. So, I mean, what's painful to watch is him running away from it, you know, in the it's like, ah. And I mean, I couldn't imagine you guys were filming in the earlier part of the pandemic. I imagine it must have been challenging even to get in front of that camera, um, let alone also dealing with your own personal relationship at home. I think that that was actually the most challenging part, you know, for me. Yeah, I couldn't imagine what was going on in the other ladies' households, but for, for within this household, you know, my husband being an ER doctor, it was like he went from seeing very minor things like, you know, oh, let me sew her up. She, you know, maybe bust her head. She maybe has a cut, you know, or, you know, some some major things, but there was, you know, nothing. It was like he was seeing death every single day that he went into work and then he was coming home trying to put a smile on his face, you know, and it was just so depressing. And I think it was weighing on him so much 
that it started weighing on my family. And, and I think the happy person that I was, that I was used to being around was slowly slipping away, you know, and I was thinking that maybe, you know, it was all related to COVID, but not knowing also that he was dealing with low testosterone, which has his own side effects, Mm -hmm. you know, slightly depression, slightly low sex drive, all kinds of, you know, things that men go through that they didn't say that I was so thankful that he actually shared it. Because he was like, some men, they don't share. Oh, a lot of men would not share that. I thought it was so amazing that he was talking mm-hmm. openly about that. Stay in relationships and then they get a divorce because they don't want to talk about it, you know, and, and they just become a whole nother man in a relationship, which is just like women when we go through menopause, you know? So it was, it was, it was a lot, you know, going into the season, having that on our back and then trying to, you know, film a successful season. And, and people are like, she's a drunk. And I'm like, no, I'm not a drunk. I'm just going through a lot here. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I'll be honest. I watch a lot. I cover a lot of these Bravo shows. And I think you guys, for some reason, never have a bad season. I think like you guys are so consistently good. And even during the pandemic, I sort of was thinking, okay, we're not going to get another good season because... You know, these COVID seasons have been sort of rough on some of the Housewives shows, but you guys still deliver like a meaningful, dramatic, beautiful. I mean, it has like all the elements. And so I just want to commend all of you ladies on a, a good season so yeah. far. And we still have a few episodes left, but it's like. We had I- so more footage. I'm telling you, it was so much more. I mean, I just wish they would have shown so much more. I mean, really and truly, because it could have been even better. I mean, it was amazing. We came together on so many other different avenues to me that were more positive, you know, but I think that, you know, we delivered this season based on, and on every other season, I think based on, you know, real life scenarios, you know, I think once we get to that place where we stop, you know, talking about our real issues, you know, I think that's when we go wrong. You know, I, I truly, you know, appreciate the fact that I married a man that doesn't mind sharing his home environment, you know, and our real stories. I mean, I think for me, the only issue that I had this season was when they, when my castmates started lying, you know, and coming up with a little ad, an ad libbing to mm-hmm. our life. Because me and Eugene, we pride ourselves on being very transparent and very um, upfront, even with our happy moments and our sad moments. And so I felt like I was defending a lot. And I was like, man. I love your husband. I love Eugene. He's just, I love seeing, I like seeing the guys on your show too, in general. Um, We've had a lot of old people come back. We had Lisa Nicole this season. We have uh, Carrie this season. Do you like having some of those cast members back or do you feel like uh, you didn't care for that? I feel like, to be honest, I feel like, you know, I'm one of those individuals who feels like married to medicine is great because of, every last person that has been on Married to Medicine. There's not a person or episode that to me has not had meaning. Like I'll never forget Jill Connors. I'll never forget, you know, Carrie, you know, some of her one-liners and Lisa Nicole and all the things that we went through, you know? So I feel like everybody brought value, you know, the, the, you know, (laughs) it's just like when you look back at the Denise's, everybody shared something amazing to our show. And so at there's no point in time where for me, they don't deserve to come back, you know, and, and share the spotlight, you know, and at this time they were a part of my life. So they definitely deserve to be here. Yeah. I like seeing people pop up at, you know, like I want to know what's going on with everybody. Uh, anything you want to clear up from this season? Like, is there anything specific that you've seen or that's bugging you that you just want to let people know this is not true or or this was uh, whatever? Anything you want to clear up? I think for me, the bottom line is, you know, me and my husband, we have had some amazing um, buying experiences in Atlanta. When we first moved here, we purchased and we built a home in the Cascade area. We sold that house, you know, and then we built this house and it's an amazing home, you know, but it right now it's a seller's market and everybody's like, oh, she's having financial problems. We're not having financial problems. <laughs> if anything, we're doing quite well and we are excited if we find a buyer because, you know, there are other places that we would love to live in the Atlanta area. Atlanta's popping. 
You know what I'm saying? It's a beautiful, beautiful city to live in. And it's tons of communities. You know, I think at the end of the day, people just, you know, they look for things that are negative. And I would love for people to look for the positive, you know, and stay in there. I would imagine it's hard though, because you, you so were so forthcoming about your financial stuff in a previous season. It's almost like that's the thing now that people focus on. And so I imagine it's hard to get rid of that label. Yeah. And it's so sad because it's like, I don't want to take that. I would never take it back. I would never go back and say that season because for us, we did it because that was a learning experience for us and people in our culture. You know, that was like, we never were raised with someone sitting us down and saying, okay, let's talk about your finances and let me show you and set you up for success. Like we are now setting our children up for success. My husband and I last, just last night was like, you know, okay, we're going to set, we're going to open up this type of account and we're going to put this money aside so that when they're 18, we'll be able to bless them with this money. And when they're 21, we'll be able to bless them with this money and we'll leave this house over here for them and this, you know, vacation home for them. But we didn't have that growing up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it's an amazing thing now to be able to say, you know, this is the generation. We're the generation that's changing our generation going forward. You know, and so I, I do hate that they only see that we had an area in our life, where we, you know, had a setback, but it's in those setbacks that you actually grow. Mm-hmm. And so, hey, if that's all they can dwell on, that's okay. We're just going to keep doing our thing. You know, nobody wants to brag about having a lot of money and things anyway, because that's when the IRS come and knocking and looking and all that stuff. There so, you go. We letting the people say we broke. Go ahead. (laughs) Tell me, I know I got to wrap this up, but tell me about your relationship with the other women now. Like, are you getting along with everyone? Are you not getting, what's going on? So now, right now, everyone. So right now, you know, of course, me and Jackie, we're in a good place. You know, we don't go hang out. Hey, Liz, hush. We're not going hanging out at the club or anything like that, but we never did. (laughs) Me and Dr. Sonon, you know, that's my big sis. So her and Cecil are always over for dinner and we're over there for dinner as well. Dr. Contessa and I, oddly enough, you know, you got to see at the reunion how that unfolded. But we actually have, she's been over for dinner too. And we're doing, we've been cool. So I'm really excited about that relationship and how that's budding. And the other ladies, you know, Anila's a neighbor. (laughs) So are, there are, must be things that you want to clear up. You didn't mention quad or heavenly when I just asked you that. So there must be things you want to clear up with them. There are some things that I'm going to clear up, but you can't wait for the reunion. I can't give you all of this stuff now. I mean, because that's, you know, if I give you too much, then what will happen is they'll be prepared. Oh, that's true. Okay. So I got to, I have to, you know, I got to, you know. I got to say, I'm so excited. I I have two last questions for you. But before I let you go, I want to say that uh, I'm just so grateful for all of you ladies, because truly, I'd say the most consistently great TV show on Bravo is Married to Medicine. It's always, it's never not good. It's just always great. So thank you. Uh, Okay, so the last two things I ask everyone. uh, Number one, what's your favorite Mariah Carey song? I'm a huge Mariah Carey fan. Uh, And then also, if you were choosing Sexiest Man Alive, who would you choose? And you can't choose Eugene. Um, So right now, oh my goodness, these are hard questions for me because I have a favorite Mariah Carey song, but it's, what's the one when she's like, um, what was her comeback album? We Belong Together. Yes. yes, it's the We Belong Together album, and she had a song on there about the emancipation of of Mimi was the album. Yeah, yeah. and so, um, but it's not that we belong together. It, it was not that one. It was it was once she was going off of me. It was oh god, I can't think. Oh, maybe but, shake it um, off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That whole album is amazing. That it's whole so album. Yeah. Wow, I'll never forget. I'll be in the hair salon. Everybody was probably It was just mm-hmm. a. Okay. And as far as sexiest man alive, I used to say um, Elba, Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, Jordan, Michael B. Jordan is like giving it to the people lately. He's yeah. gorgeous. I know. I know. Toya, this was so fun. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat. I want to encourage everyone to watch Married to Medicine. We all can't wait for the reunion. Uh, find Toya on social media. And uh, Toya, this was so fun. I, I don't, you, I'm sure you don't remember, but I met you very briefly backstage at BravoCon. I was do, hosting I, one of the panels. 
like, I've talked to you before. I'm like, it, I mean, that whole BravoCon was insane. But I remember I, I was, you guys were all had a panel and I, I took a picture with your entire cast and it was like the greatest moment of my life because it was all of you together at once. So it was, I mean, cause that was so much it was so fun. It was so fun. Hopefully I'll see you there uh, again this year. And thank you so much for taking the time. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered showerhead. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, my listeners can use code EVERYTHINGICONIC, all together one word, at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. This episode is sponsored by Los Angeles Tourism. Y'all know I'm from the Midwest, but I've lived in California for so long, and I truly do love it here in LA. There's so much to do. My parents were just in town and said the same thing, because we always have something to do when they visit. There's so much good food and drink here. There's lots of pop-ups, rooftop bars, year-round alfresco dining. I love being able to eat outside here all the time, but they really have so many different food options uh, that you can get all the time. Tons of great shopping and fashion. Uh, They just opened up a new shopping center right across the street from where we live. And it's just fantastic to be able to walk there. I love that. I love having the sun. I love the attractions, the studios, the lifestyle. You get all the Hollywood pop culture stuff that I certainly love so much. Uh, And also, you just get the wonderful weather. It's really a fantastic place. So I want to encourage you all to head to discoverla.com. Again, need more ideas for your next visit? Just head to discoverla.com. Ever since I saw Clueless, I wanted to have the most amazing wardrobe, and that includes all of the clothes inside the wardrobe closet, and that's why I'm excited to talk to you about Quince. Now, Quince has you covered with truly timeless pieces that never go out of style. You'll have them in your closet forever. Quince has all sorts of must-haves. I'm talking uh, Mongolian cashmere crewneck sweaters from $50. I have a blue cashmere crewneck sweater I got from them that I get so many compliments on all the time. I love it. Plus, iconic 100% leather jackets and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes us savings all over to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Love that. Makes you feel good about shopping with Quince. Uh, again, I've gotten a lot of stuff there. Just uh, good quality pieces and a lot of different options if you're looking to upgrade your wardrobe. So indulge in the affordable luxury. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to Get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. I'm here with Ryan O'Connell. Ryan is a star creator of the Emmy-nominated show on Netflix called Special, which returns for its second season. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm so good. Do you remember when you came over to my house to watch Housewives many years ago? I was just going to bring it up. Yeah, we were watching Bravo. Laura Marie was there. It was so much fun. Yeah. And yeah, instantly I thought you were hilarious. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I always just feel such a, um, a kinship with someone who's as obsessed with the Real Housewives. I feel like it's a support group because I, I don't feel personally proud of it, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? I want to get your take on some Housewives stuff in a minute. But first, uh, I have to mention special. I got a chance to see the whole second season. And I I thought the first season was great. But this second season, it's like on just a whole nother level. I thought it was 
I wanted so many more episodes. I thought it was fantastic. There's moments that I'm still thinking about that I'm not going to spoil that I, uh, you know, I'm in the shower and I'm just laughing at it. There's a little Kim moment that I won't spoil, but I like literally think about that moment all the time. That moment and probably the shit on the dick moment, right? Um, you think about that? You think about that in the shower? <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course I do, right? Uh, Ryan, I want to ask you, I was reading this uh, interview you did with Interview Magazine, and you mentioned 90210 a couple times in it. And it seemed like 90210 was very impactful to you. And I watched it as a kid, too. And I'm just curious, what did you love about 90210 and how did that shape you? Well, it just was like rich kids in Beverly Hills. It was like adolescence. It was like lots of hair and it was a lot of like tight jeans. So it just like, it checked all the boxes of like a closeted gay child. And I actually, I worked on the reboot for, wait for it, six whole weeks before I had to quit to do press full time for special. Um, And I got to meet the whole cast. Like the first few weeks of the writer's room was just like everyone coming in and sharing their stories. And it was like, my heroine. It was so, so iconic. I wanted the reboot to go on for longer. I felt like it needed another season because they, they sort of found their footing by the end. I thought it was good. Yeah, I never saw it, but, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Were you more of a Brandon Walsh or a Dylan McKay fan, like, or, or either? Um, definitely Brandon Walsh, for sure. I mean, like, I just, first of all, his dick looked huge in those jeans. Huge. Like it was like Anaconda vibes. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I think that's really what I was responding to. Dylan was cool, but he definitely seemed like it was like never been kissed vibes, like Josie Grossi undercover as a teen. Like it was like he and Andrea Zuckerman like snuck in. They actually worked at like the Los Angeles Times and were doing an expose. So that felt kind of strange to me. But I mean they're both babes, you know. Uh, you also mentioned in that same interview, you talk about coming in out of the closet as a teen and then coming out of the closet again with cerebral palsy at 28. And I'm curious about those two experiences and maybe like how they're similar. Uh, I know they're two different coming outs, but. Well, I think it's just, it's both internalizing the stigma from society. So like being gay is like, obviously like homophobia, like it exists. It's here. It's not queer, unfortunately. Um, and then with cerebral palsy, I feel like actually there's even a bigger stigma because, you know, in terms of pop culture, there's been a lot of queer representation. So like, you know, bibbity bobbity boo in Ohio can like be like, oh, like a gay person. I get it now. Whereas like with disability, there really isn't any point of reference. And this is when I say representation matters because it, it introduces people to a kind of person to everyone in America and it normalizes their experience. And I think in terms of disability representation, we have such a long, embarrassing way to go. So ironically, coming out of the disabled closet was harder than coming out as gay because it just, again, it feels like conversations around disability have not been nowhere, have been, have not been nearly as deep as the conversations around queerness. Right. You know, I had a Jen Richards on the show this uh, recently, and we were talking about trans representation in media. And I, I hadn't thought about it before, but we were talking about how in the 90s, that specific representation, which is obviously very different um, than different communities, but uh, how in the 90s, it was all like Ace Ventura at the end when everyone's laughing at this trans person at the end, and it's a joke. And then in Silence of the Lambs, horror, this horror. horror. 90210. Steve Sanders taking home a, a woman who is revealed to be trans and he's horrified and it's a joke. Just bring me back to 90210, you know, full circle. Yep, yep, yep. Do you remember when that girl locked Kelly in the garage on 90210? Are we talking about Tara, the roommate from rehab? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, where she, could club, she like clubbed her and then she like tried to kill her through carbon monoxide poisoning and like a ritual suicide moment of whatever, of course, and dyed her hair to be like Kelly's. I yeah. think about that a lot, Ryan. I don't know. I just, it came to my mind. Is that thing you think about in the shower? <laughs> yeah. Tara was uh, horrifying to me. Um, okay. Wait, what was I saying? Oh, so we were talking about trans representation and how just, uh, you know, back in the nineties, there was so much problematic representation. And I was trying to think about like uh, disabled representation in the media. If, if there's been sort of an evolution of it in your opinion, or if it's been something that's just hasn't been around maybe as much. Well, I feel like disabled representation has been pretty bleak because 
A, it's almost always played by an able-bodied actor, and it's usually like told through the lens of like inspiration porn. So like, I think there was one movie that just came out with Brian Cranston uh, called like The Upside or something. And then there was like one movie called like Me Before You or Me Without You, where um, it's a like, quadriplegic and he like decides to commit suicide at the end because he's like truly like life is not living. And like Amelia Clark is like, honestly, babe, I get it. If I was like you, I would totally like kill myself too. So then like he does kill himself, and it's seen as like this really like oh how brave he, like he did the right thing. He's now you know in a much better place, and it's like it's truly like Disturbia, like American Horror Story vibes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that like, there's nowhere to go, but up, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, just the fact that we're talking about it here on this podcast and whatever discussions are starting around disability and people are recognizing just how ableist this world is. But I feel like, uh, when we compare it to conversations around race and gender and sexual identity, it sort of feels like it has some catching up to do, you know? Uh, talk to people about season two of special. What can people expect? Well, I already spoiled shit on the dick. So God, I really buried the lead there. Fuck. Um, no, season two is just bigger, gayer, and gimpier. We were given half an hour because I was such a diva about doing 15 minutes and Netflix listened. Um, but b- because we have a half an hour now, we can really dive deeper into the character of Kim, who I'm obsessed with. She plays uh, my best friend. It's played by this amazing actress, Quinn Patel. And then season one she's very much just like ryan's emotional cheerleader like there to be like yeah boy you can do it blah 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 and i feel like we've seen that character so many times and i feel like i wanted to give her her own rich interior life and really dive into what she does outside of ryan um and yeah i mean we we knew it was gonna be the final season from like the jump and in a way that's strong but creatively it was great because i was able to craft a real final season of television. Like, I feel like we end on a real final note. Um, so I'm really proud of it. It's been, it took two years because of COVID. Uh, but yeah, so it's been a long pregnancy, but she's crowning now and I can't wait to give birth. And Ryan, I love the gayness of it. I mean, that sounds like a weird thing to say, but oftentimes I think we see things uh, what starring gay people or with gay characters and it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel, I don't know. It felt good. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think like gay creators are like rarely given the keys to their own castle. Like, I think it's a lot of like straight people doing like, I think like boy erase was written by Joel Egerton or whatever. Like it's a lot of that vibe where it's like a straight guy's like, wait, Binky, it's crazy. And then they like try their hand at it to like win an Oscar. And you're like, honey, how about no? Um, so I think again, like <laughs> you get a better story when it comes from a person who's lived it because of the authenticity um so yeah that means a lot also i hired you know all gay actors to play gay parts um partially because my kink is giving people jobs um but also we live in like an uneven playing field where i think gay actors are not set up for success the way that straight actors are um and also selfishly shooting a sex scene with a gay actor is much more fun than shooting one with a straight person like i cannot imagine like explaining straight sex uh, gay sex to like a straight guy i'm like truly it's years of my life like that sounds miserable and you could tell in a second even just a kiss between two straight men it like it it drives me mad when i'm watching something and then they're supposed to be having a passionate gay kiss and it's like they their mouths are shut and it's like it's horrifying yeah it's like very much the vibe of like getting your teeth cleaned at the dentist you're like ladies are off to be there but like sure just put it in you know what i mean (laughs) what let's talk about bravo for a minute so what are you watching right now are you watching all the housewives or are there any that you've given up on Oh my God. So yes, I'm watching so many things. I'm watching Dallas, which like truly this is just me desperate for content. Like true, like I'm getting the bottom, the absolute bottom feeder vibe because it's so bad this season. Although Tiffany Moon is like carrying the season on her back and without her really be screwed. That just needs a whole zhuzh. And like Cameron Westcott to me is so awful but i actually find it really hard to watch her because it's like there's so many things that are fucked up about her it's like her impersonation of a ditz that like might not be an impersonation but sort of is and then it's like her racism has really come out during the reunion because she comes for tiffany in a way that is so like fragility vibes where she's like how dare you take up space and like make me look bad which is so profoundly dark then speaking of dark, I'm engaging with Roni because Roni is literally the top tier and like we all bow down. Um, 
I will say I'm loving Ebony. It feels very, it feels like with Roni, there's a split between old guard and new guard and Leah and Ebony represent the future. And like Ramona and Luann and Sonia are just full on golden girls, gray gardens. And we like celebrate all of them, but it is funny. It's like, you kind of think you're like, they're hanging out with people that are like literally 30 years younger than them. Like it's kind of crazy, but the thing that works about Roni is that they just have genuine chemistry. So it's like, almost like a sitcom. There's like Jen laws that are not always at their expense. Like they're just funny people. Um, I know I could watch the Roni women do anything. Like I'm fine with not a ton of drama on that franchise. Like the other ones, I need something going on a storyline, but Roni it's like, it's fine. Just watching you guys try to like heat your pool. That's oh, like- it's, it's just amazing content. I'm really into summer house, which I think is giving us what banner pump rules stopped. Um, and I think, I think that summer house, if I was to put like a timer on it, I actually think summer house is actually about to expire in terms of the specialness, because once the fame starts to bleed into the show, it's kind of a goner. It's very like Jersey shore where like these people were like authentically good friends being thrown into the environment. And then they became so famous, but they didn't want to address that. So then it became this weird, not this resistance breaking the fourth wall. And then it just became disingenuous and not interesting. Hannah's arc is fascinating. She started off as like wanting to be the Bethany Greek chorus of the show, which she sort of was, although I never thought she was funny. She's very much this comedian who likes tweets like, yeah, sex is great and all, but have you ever had like a taco? And you're like, honey, that's not a joke. Like literally not a joke. Do you know what I mean? Like, and you're like, okay, lying into you, Don Rickles. So, but what, what I will say is like, she really high on her own supply in terms of her fame and attention again which they don't really address but you can just feel it it's so interesting like once you become a seasoned reality tv viewer you just can pick up on what's really happening behind the scenes which they'll obviously unpack on the reunion but they can't get into for filming and so she clearly just thinks she's too good for the show which is i think a crucial mistake many people make while on the well on the bravo reality shows because they're not too good for it and the second they feel that way they're going to be exposed as like fame monsters and then the public is going to fall in love with them it's very jill zarin trying to like orchestrate a coup against bethany in season two which completely backfires right right and there's this weird sort of unspokenness with kyle and and sort of that og mentality of like well this is my show but then they don't want to talk about that but yeah hannah's arc is very fascinating to me on summer house and i well she also recognizes wokeness in such a fascinating way that like if someone if like a guy disagrees with her she's like okay misogynist and like you're like actually you're just like being out of line like you're being like not okay and then she'll be like you're gaslighting me it's like literally i just asked if you have like any chips you know what i mean like like it's great like the way that she uses like the 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 lingo of our times to kind of get her way and to deflect criticism is so fascinating to me i'm loving it i hope i hope we eke out like one more season or at least like a at least a good enough season i don't think we're going to reach the heights of this this past one, but I'm hoping that we at least get like one good, good one more out of it. And then I, I think you're right. I think then we have nowhere else to go. Well, I have a question for you. Like as someone who like does a podcast about this, but also like interviews these people, do you find yourself in like an uncomfortable position where like you're commenting on their behavior, but you also like celebrate them? Like, do you ever find yourself, it's a tricky role to navigate basically? Yeah. You know, I try really hard to just be honest with how I feel and, and I understand sometimes people will message me and say, I can't believe you said that about me or whatever. And it's like, well, that's like my job too. As much as it is to interview some of these people, it's also, I'm, I'm trying to make people laugh by recapping these shows, but I try not to go below the belt. And I try to, if it's something like I just did multiple times, No, (laughs) but I also, I I would hope that I, whatever I say on my show in a recap, like I would feel comfortable saying to their face. And that doesn't necessarily mean I'm always on their side. There's only two people really sort of in the Bravo sphere that I feel really uh, defendant of. And that's Ariana and Tom, because I worked with them on a cocktail book. So it's like, and I love them too. So those are the only two people where I'm like, okay, I will, I will fight for them. But everyone else, it's like, we change all the time. And I, I, I also think it's important that like, I'm judging the episodes. So yes, I, I understand. We all understand that there's things that happen behind the scenes that 
are different than what we're seeing on TV, but like, I'm here to recap what we're watching on TV. So sometimes people will message me and say, well, you don't even know, you said this and you don't know that this is happening off screen. It's like, well, none of us know that. Like we're here to talk about what we're seeing. Right. Well, speaking of Tom and Ariana, who I do love, I agree. I really wish they would just quit Vanderpump Rules out of its misery. I think everyone knows it's past its expiration date and it just doesn't work anymore. Like once they brought in those like new school people, like Dana, again, Dana, another person who goes, if you have sex, it's great and everything, but if you try anti-anxiety meds, and you're just like, honey, like what is happening? Like when hot people discover comedy, like literally I die a thousand deaths. Like oh. have we suffered enough? Like seriously. <laughs> just need a full tour of all of them, like on stage somewhere doing the, all their bits. Um, I, I'm, a, I agree. I think Vanderpump Rules, like it's past its expiration. I am sort of hopeful that I think like going into this next season, it'll be everyone kind of fighting for the show's life in a weird way. So I think I'm curious about that, even from like a behind watching it from that lens of like, oh, they're going to try to make something good because this is like everyone's last shot. Yes, that's true. And someone's got to pay for those horrible looking houses in the Valley that they all bought. <laughs> like, from like one gay to another, a modern farmhouse. Are you not dying? Like I'm like, like that's not okay. Like did you see Jackson Brittany, they did a house tour on some webs. It was like open house or there was some website they did a house tour recently. And the couch had, and I'm a pillow lover, but their couch had literally 1,000 pillows on it. And then they had like their last name on stuff all throughout the house. So like in the kitchen, in the bedroom, everywhere it just said couchy, 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 like the Jax's real name. And it's like, okay, enough. We you know your name. Like you don't need to put it in every single room. Like Yeah. Wow, maybe he forgets. <laughs> he is kind <laughs> of out to lunch. <laughs> it was just a lot. I mean, their house is like very farmhousey, and I and it works for some people, but yeah, it was just like there's too much fucking word art. They just need to be a little bit more, you know, disciplined yeah. when they go into the I do love Ariana though. I mean, Ariana has, I think, consistently been talk about a Greek chorus. Like she's vulnerable. Like she really understands. I don't know. She just like she gets it, and I'm here for her. Yeah, I think sometimes she she comes across because she's very smart. She she is very intelligent, and I think sometimes um, on those shows that doesn't come across. It comes across as like being better than everyone, but it's like, well, she kind of is. But anyway, (laughs) icons. I'm sure I've mentioned this many a time on the show, but I use DoorDash all the time, and I'm sure so many of you are right there with me. When you need a meal, you hop on DoorDash. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about DoorDash's Dash Pass. It's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door, helping you save lots of money, lots of time with every one of your DoorDash orders. So it's really a big saver with $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on your eligible orders. Dash Pass makes it super easy to save on restaurants or retail items, groceries, all your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. Because I don't just get my meals. I also get a lot of groceries. You can get, again, retail items, local stuff. Dash Pass, too, pays for itself in just two orders on average, making delivery even more worth it. Plus, Dash Pass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for just $9.99 a month. So get more from your delivery for less. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash. Use code ICONIC24. That's ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, use code ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Icons. Did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanton, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and 
and all the sexy bites in between. In this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, I have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. Uh, and also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Ryan, I feel like I could talk to you forever. Real quick, I want to ask, what's your next goals? What are we working on? What can you tell people? Because I'm upset about special ending. Like I really fell in love with it this season and I want everyone to watch it because I, it was amazing. But what's next? Um, well, I'm writing for the Queerest Folk reboot right now, which is really exciting. I hated the original. Like, it totally fucked with me because I was like, well, there's no room for my gay disabled ass in here. And I really feel like the reboot, I mean, there's so many reboots that exist that you're like, honey, did we really need this? Dot, dot, dot. Um, I'm looking at you, Punky Brewster. But, um, but I really feel like Queerest Folk has a reason to be updated. And I feel like we can make it a lot more inclusive. And there's just, it seems, I don't know, it's going to be... I really am excited about it. It's not a conti- Are there any characters from the original in this one, or is it completely new people? No, it's new. It's new people. Okay. Um, and whether it's going to be on Peacock, can you tell? Is there going to be like nudity and stuff? Because that's oh, what I watched the original nice. for. It's okay. called Peacock. We're going to put the cock in Peacock. Okay. Yeah. I needed that because there was a there was a time when it was announced for Bravo, and I thought like we can't have it on Bravo Network. It needs to be on some other network. Yeah, it was it was a journey to get made. I mean, most gay things are, spoiler alert, but um, I'm really happy. It seemed like it landed in the right place. And the creator, Stephen Dunn, is just um, really, really talented and incredible. So I think it's going to be good. And then um, I wrote uh, I wrote a novel called Just By Looking At Him, which is going to come out next year. And I'm working on the film adaptation of that with a uh, great Berlanti producing. So there's shit. You know, she's, she's a busy. Bro. She's a, she's a Virgo. She doesn't fuck around, honey. Like, I'm here. I'm here getting that paper. You know what I mean? Um, I know you got to get back to work. So there's just two quick things I need yeah. to wrap up that I ask all of my guests. Your favorite Mariah Carey song. And who would you choose for People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive? Oh, my God. That's so interesting. Okay. For Mariah Carey, I think it would be a cross between Dream Lover and Honey. Um, Dream Lover is like randomly it just like still slaps for like a very like Amy Grant-esque vibe in the early 90s like it still just has it and then Honey is obviously like a real symbol of like her rebirth and going in a different direction post Tommy Mottola so I celebrate that and then Sexiest Man Alive I mean Chris Maloney and it would not even be a picture of his face it would just be his ass you know what I mean because that's all you really need I love him (laughs) Ryan, this was so fun. Thank you for popping by at the podcast. Hopefully I'll get to see you in person at some point, but um, thank you so much. I want to encourage everyone to watch special on Netflix. Thank you so much, Ryan. I appreciate you taking the time.